Go, motherfucker. <laughs> it just started right now. There's a little delay. It's like that safety thing that they have on TV, so like, in case somebody's boob pops up. Anyways, <laughs> welcome to the Legitimous Podcast. It's true, folks. We are on episode number nine. Uh, what a milestone. I feel like we should give something away, but we're not. So... Let's, uh, we have our hosts with us today. As always, we have Mr. Chris Kellinger, representing the great state of Ohio. We have the boy toy, Roy Scott, from Vintage Axe Works, representing oh, yeah. the Dirty South. And we have myself, Mike Miller, representing old school Pennsylvania, I guess. So, what do we got, guys? What's going on? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. It feels like it has been a while. It's only been a week, but it feels like it's been a year. I uh, don't know. Well, we recorded earlier in the week last week, and now it's Thursday, so we've just gone a long time. Science. Hopefully the people will forgive us for our uh, little bit longer than a week here. So let's do a little quick recap. Um, so we're on episode nine. We've had the eight episodes already, obviously. Last week we had special guest Eric from uh, Hand Tool Rescue. Thought that was pretty cool. A little different perspective on everything, talking about wood and patina and aging and all that good stuff so that was cool we've talked a little bit about axe history uh we've talked about the things that roy hates uh let's see we've talked about instagram issues we kicked killer off the show and then we let killer come back <laughs> uh, we talked about prices and then uh, for like seven of the nine episodes that we've been on now killer has been moving but obviously we've moved past that as well so thank god Woo. What do we got to talk about today, folks? What do we got? Hit me. Uh, how's, give us a status update on your shop there, uh, Chris. My shop is dead. <laughs> What's Have going ever, on? Uh, have we ever fully explained that? I know that was something that originated between you two. We had mentioned that, like, hey, we need to let Miller in on how this all actually came about. I don't think we ever did that, did we, or do I just forget? No, we haven't yet. Should so, we, Should we dive I'll, into that then, like why everything is dead? I'll, I'll get into it. Um, all right. So all of these people, this was several months ago, all of these people, followers, whatever, friends, they keep telling me that I've got to do a freaking YouTube channel. And I don't, so listen, here's my YouTube experience and the extent in which I use it. If something is broken in my house or on a vehicle or I need to know how to do something, I get on YouTube to find out how to do it, how to change the tie rod on a Ford F-150. There's a video for it. How to wire up a three-way switch in your house. There's a video for it. I don't get on YouTube for entertainment, okay? I really don't. Uh, there are a few things that I might get on there and look at or whatever for fun, uh, but it's very, very minimal. So whenever all these people were telling me, you need to get on YouTube and do a YouTube channel and yada, yada, yada. So I did a story on Instagram of me editing a video on YouTube and I jokingly said, God, I thought YouTube was dead. And here comes fucking Chris Killinger. YouTube's not dead. You're a big dummy. YouTube's just another avenue of social media. And 
if you know just because you've got Instagram followers doesn't mean you don't have you can't have YouTube followers and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and then everything was dead after that. So you can have Chris Killinger to thank for riding that one out. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll, I'm going to keep riding that too. <laughs> so everything is dead because so of all, all revolts back to Killinger and getting a little little uptight about YouTube. Then is that basically what we're saying? Well, Chris Killinger gets uptight about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have set you up any better than, than that right there. That's about as good as I can do. <laughs> it's just, I'm not uptight. That's just normal life for me. You guys are too loose. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Mike Miller's loose. Yeah. Talking about the hotel in New York, baby. <laughs> so uh, I bought a wood stove for my shed, my shop. Yeah, stop calling it a shed. It's a shop, yo. What is a shed? It's not a shed. It's a shop, dude. Anyways. So many people have half the amount of space that you do, and it's their their shop. It's a shop, and it's nice. Oh, I'm very fortunate. Um. So yeah. Anyways, I bought a wood stove. Now I got to get that all set up. So what about um just general like do you have you have you been able to to make anything in the shop? I mean, do you have stuff kind of sort of set up or like what's going on in terms have, of just the logistics of the shop? All right. I have like a little hole clean, cleared out that I can work in, mm-hmm. um, which I, I haven't been to do much, but this weekend I'm going to be full board production mode in that little hole. So, but it's just, it's got to be until I have time to really sort it. Is it just filled with stuff in just random places where you can't actually get to anything and have a decent workspace? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Because when we got down to the wire there, we just it was just get the shit here and dump it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have time to sort it out or put it in any any sense. You know, like you know, like in your kitchen you have like the working triangle. Yeah, yeah. So obviously in shop you want to set that up too, and I, it's nowhere near that. Like there's you know workbenches on one end of the shop, and everything else is on the other end of the shop, and nothing's in place. And, you know. It's kind of scary setting up. Well, I say it's scary. I mean it's kind of intimidating setting up your shop and whenever you actually start bolting stuff down like whenever you decide where you're going to put your 2x72 and you bolt it to a a worktop then it's like okay I've got one piece set in now I need to build everything around all of this so it's just finding the starting spot and then just you know building off of that and for me whenever I was setting up mine um it, it, I, I just tend to overthink everything, you know, just like, well, if I put it here, I can't do this in the future, and then I can't do this. And then once you have something set, everything else just kind of has to go around it, or you have to unbolt it and redrill your bench and all that horse shit. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a challenge, and I'm sure it'll change many times. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know why I have so much crap. 
<laughs> I gotta really look at what I have out there and be like, do I need this? Yes. <laughs> Miller says yes. The king of all things stuff related. Dude, and I need. I need more space too. Like you know, like I'm not gonna be able to set up any of the blacksmith stuff because I just don't have the room. And you wouldn't beat on an anvil in there because it's on a, you know, it's a wooden floor. And you're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to get that lean to built so I can set up my blacksmith area outside. And, you know that that takes up a pretty good amount of space. You you, know, you got a a forge, an anvil, and couple of pole vice and I mean that that's some premium uh real estate inside your shop. So if I can get that outside. So are you gonna use are you gonna put your big monster vice outside or are you gonna put that inside the shop? I don't know man. What is that vice again? I'm not sure. I I gotta look at it. It's just I just know it's huge. Yeah it's got like a like an eight-inch jaw open or eight-inch jaws, right? Something like that. Yeah, and it weighs like two thousand pounds. It's freaking right. enormous. It doesn't weigh two thousand pounds, but it's it's close to two hundred pounds. I mean, it's, it's big. Uh, I've never had it mounted to anything. You you've never had it mounted, so you haven't really been using it. No, because I like I don't have anything worthy enough for it. <laughs> like that that bike deserves a full restro restoration, and then it deserves its own space. But the, its own space has to be epic. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know where that's gonna go yet. Like uh, I really don't need it in that in the shop because I have that that epic. Um, Pattern maker slice that I use all the time. Yeah, but if you want to, I mean, if you need to really clamp down on something, beat the shit out of something, I mean, that yeah. big monster vice is the freaking ticket. Yeah. But I also have, I mean, fairly <coughs> newer vice that I, I've always beat up on. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I got to manage the, the spaces. I don't know where it's going to go yet. It might go outside. How big is your Wilton bullet? Is that a four inch, four and a half? Yeah, it's a smaller one. I forgot about that. It's not small. It's like average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a big monster. So I'm, I'm going on vacation next week. We're going to go down to Arizona and, uh, my whole freaking bench vice debacle on my five inch Wilton that I was doing the restoration on. I am, uh, I stripped all the freaking paint and I'm going to take both five inches and the four inch and my tool arm rest uh, that I got from uh, Beaumont. I'm going to take it down to a powder coater and have them strip everything and just fucking lay down some nice freaking powder. A lot more durable because that Wilton that already, uh, that I restored last year is already just chipped up. I mean, it's just, you know, you put on five or six coats of paint or whatever and let it set and cure, but God, it just gets, like anything that touches it, axe heads, draw knife, freaking screwdrivers, you just hit it the wrong way and fucking paint pops right off. <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to getting it all powder coated. And it seems pretty reasonable. I mean, they 
for just the three vices, they quoted me a hundred bucks. So I can't beat what? that. Yeah, I know. Let's see how that holds up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You got any bench vices back there, Miller? I have three vices. They're nothing spectacular or old or anything like that. They're your standard. Uh, one is a craftsman. One is a uh, uh, Irwin, and I forget what the other one is. Just an old regular vice, nothing spectacular. And whenever you come down, um, I'd I'd give you a. Uh, I've got a really nice freaking four inch reed vice that I picked up on the cheap. Actually, I set it up last year and I stripped it all down, painted it, bolted it up, and I used it for like two weeks. And then I found my Wilton, and I haven't used it since, and it's just sitting underneath my bench right now. So it's got your name on it if you want to use it. Nice. Yeah, I never turned down free stuff. Well, you can borrow it for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's it's crazy how expensive some of these vices go for, man. And, you know, if if you're doing any sort of work on axes, I mean, you have to have a quality vice. Um, I don't think we're off topic here by talking about vices because they go hand in hand with all the work that we do. You can't post that in this group. Wait, no, it's a podcast. No, man. What? Nothing. You can't post? What, what do you, you cut your audio cut out? What'd you say? So you can't post that in this group. Oh, wait, or in the podcast. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Now, vices are, they're extremely important. They're integral to our work. So I have, uh, I have a few. That, I mean, too many. I yeah. never realized just how many, uh, like different manufacturers, types, specifications, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, growing up, we had some basic vices. Again, nothing spectacular. I'm sure they were all run-in-the-middle stuff. Again, Craftsman, Irwin. But then, you know, as you get out on social media and see, like, the, obviously the the big bullet boys that, that you guys have, I never even knew that, like, there was specs and different levels and things like that. And it just goes hand-in-hand, like, whenever you're talking to other guys and they're like, well, I just thought an axe was an axe. And I'm yeah. sure that same conversation – if you're having that with guys that are in devices and especially the blacksmith guys and stuff like that, that are using them every day. And you're like, Oh, I just thought a vice was a vice. And they'd probably be like, I'm going to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> so stuff like that is really interesting whenever you get into those different uh, levels and specs. So that's uh that's pretty cool. I follow two guys on Instagram. One is vices for vices. And the other one is, uh, I think just vintage vices. They're always yeah. posting really cool shit, man. Um, and it's one of those things that if I would love to collect vices just because I just think they're awesome. But there's a point where collecting doesn't make sense because it's not adding anything to vintage axe works. What am I going to do with 30 vices sitting underneath my workbench? I'm not going to restore them. I'm not going to do anything like you only need a few vices to actually do work on. So <laughs> I've got I've got three bullets plus this uh, this reed that I'm talking about. Um, I oh and I got a, a, a shitty five inch um, oh I don't I forgot what it's called, just a craftsman or something like that. But um, they're just sitting 
doing nothing. I, there, there's no reason for me to have them. So, Chris, you might fall into this category with all the shit that you're talking about in your shop. I mean, you're, you're always talking about collecting stuff. So what kind of stuff do you have that you think you don't need in your shop now? I mean, just kind of a swag right now. Uh, so I have too many vices. <laughs> I have, um, I have like a stack of hand saws. Yeah. Ridiculous. There's probably 30 or something. Um, it's not that I don't need them. I just need a place for them. Oh <laughs> so my can, God. So I could them later. Well, you know, you got all that real estate on your walls of your new house. A bunch of hand saws would look really cool, kind of lined up, maybe going around a door or something like that, or lining and lining the casing of a door. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, it, mine's just my current state is just an organization thing. Like, I so when I moved, I had uh, three drill presses. Now I have two. Okay. Um. And that, that makes sense because I could put one in my car garage for, mm -hmm. you know, metal work and stuff like that. Or, you know, whenever you need a drill press to work on a car. And then I, one can stay in my shed or shop. But I didn't need three. Like, three was too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't use three. It's nice to have, like, two or three drill presses if, if you're doing a process. But I haven't needed that in a long time. So... I don't know. You could get by with one. Yeah, for sure. But then there's like, it just needs organized. Like, uh, some stuff needs to go upstairs in the storage. We call that long-term storage. Um, well, if it's going into storage, you don't need it. Just <laughs> get well, rid of but it. Well, it's, it's stuff of, a, of value. You know, like I, yeah, someday I will get rid of it, but I don't have time to process it right now. And I'm not just going to give it away. I mean, you're talking about thousands of dollars worth of antique tools. Like that's just stupid to just give that away. I wasn't suggesting just give it away. <laughs> well, but then you, but you have to have the time to process it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it has to be cleaned and pictures taken of it and posted on eBay and all that stuff. So that's like another full time job. So add that to my. Resume. Media master, Chris Callender, at your service. <laughs> but, you know, like, another part of me is, like, I don't I don't want to sell some of that stuff. I want to display it because it's, you know, what I'm into, so. Yeah. So, speak, speaking of displays, what was that picture you showed us the other day, Miller? Or was that on Instagram? You had all those freaking axes lined up on your bench. So what happened is that, you know, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but there was the double-bit Minnesota Chief that was posted out on, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was, uh, made by man. And so I got in contact with the gentleman, and we sort of him hawed around and debated a little bit, and that ended up coming into my possession. Miller, just yes. a question. Did you miss the text when I sent you the information on that X? You did, but I didn't really pay attention to it at that time. I saw it. And to be honest with you, I forgot that, and the reason why I had to get it is because I have the single bit brother to it. So now I have the single bit and the brother and the double bit for that Minnesota Chief. And um, 
as I was sitting there, I was like, well, this is pretty cool. I should do a picture of, you know, brothers from another mother or however you want to do it. And then I was like, I wonder how many of these I actually have. And so I did a quick gathering and um, put all those out there. Thought that that was pretty neat with the single bits and the double bits. And just uh, gathered up the ones that I had real quick, put them out there. So that's what uh-huh. that was all about. Uh-huh. What made They're all by man. What's that? What made them brothers? They're all by man. Oh, you had the single bit and then you had the double bit. Oh, each each one was a single bit and double bit. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Thanks for paying attention. Kind of like kind of like when you pay attention. <laughs> I saw it. I just didn't want to pay that price at first. That's all. Well, that's understandable. So did but the guy ship it to you then? Yeah. What do you mean? Did he ship it to me? I have it. Why? Well, yeah. Are, are you paying attention at all, Chris? Are you. <laughs> are you awake yet? What's, are you all right? I told you on one of those podcasts I was a little concerned about you and all everything that you had going on and if you were if you were okay because you seem like you're a little bit out there right now. I probably am. Okay. All right. Sometimes just coming to the realization is the first part of the battle. <laughs> Step one. Right. So. Oh shit. All right. So let's talk about some act stuff. So this morning. As I was getting up and all these thoughts about axes and everything were going through my heads or through my head. Here's a question. Why don't you see bevels on the flint edge axe? When's the last time you saw a flint edge with bevels? Oh, that's a good question. May, uh... Right? So that's what I was thinking. I was like, that flint edge was obviously one of the more popular lines, probably the most axes from Kelly slash True Temper that you see out there in all the different patterns, right? You can get flint edge on anything that you want. Hatchets, broad axes, boys, single bit, double bit, on down the line in basically any pattern that you want. I've only ever seen two axes stamped flint edge with pebbles. One was a, what was it, a Rockaway? I believe it was a Rockaway. The other one was a boy's axe. Those are the only two that I've ever seen with bevels. So that made me think, why does a flint edge have bevels? What does that all mean? Obviously you see the perfects and you know, those in some of the other lines, dynamic, lipping right. pot. So what was that? Was that like a status thing? And that this is the kind of shit that keeps me up at night whenever I'm thinking about axes. It's the and budget so, line. So I think that that was probably part of it is that the bevels were sort of kept for the higher tier axes. Yeah. Which, whenever you look in the catalogs, and of course, then I had to go and do that. You basically saw bevels. You saw bevels on uh, there's three or no five or six main lines. So you saw where is it here? Nice prep so, work there, Miller. So you saw beveled on the ones that were at seven dollars and twenty five cents a dozen. So you saw beveled on Falls City, Red Rover, and Niagara. Then you had a jump up to eight dollars and sixty cents per dozen. Perfect Colombian and Lippincott. Now, obviously, there's other axes in there that we know that have bevels that are not included in that. So, you know, the first one that comes to my mind is Dynamic. I have a few of those. And I'm sure there's a couple other ones. But you don't see Flint Edge out there at all. So the bevels must have been sort of, hey, these are 
top of the line. They're going to burst the chip. They're not going to stick in the wood, blah, blah, blah. But that's just the kind of stuff I think about from time to time. Like you would have thought that if they wanted to make some money, especially as the ax industry was, you know, sort of going down the tubes per se, the popularity wasn't there. Like why wouldn't you have just beveled out Flint edge? You're already going to make it for less than a perfect bevel it out, charge more and get a better profit margin on it. So I don't know, just stuff like that that I think about. Why didn't they just uh, punch out Kelly Perfects and put Flint Edge on them? Well, I'm sure that they did that at some point. So like I was talking to a gentleman here today, like whenever you look in these catalogs and you, let's just say for the sake of discussion, you have A grade, which would be, you know, your top of the line, no imperfections, stuff like that. Perfects, Lippincott, um, I believe Niagara was in there, Red Rover, blah, blah, blah. And then you had your B grade. So like, what was that actual difference? Like when that, when that come out of the forge or, and got stamped or whatever that process looked like and your quality control guy got it, what did that actually look like? And was there that much of a difference that when Johnny Chopper got it in his hands, he would be like, oh, well, this is definitely an A grade. Oh, this acts as a B grade. Like who, yeah. would, any, would anybody know that? Even like your top high end logger, would they know that? And so again, stupid stuff in the context of history that I think about and how that all pertained to uh, what was going on at the time. But that was what I was thinking about this morning. Why don't you see Flint Edge with bells? That is actually a very good question because you see it on other other lines that Kelly made for, um, you know, just – you see, you see it. I'm thinking the anniversary. Yeah, uh, anniversary. Yep. Miller's Miller Fall. Is it Miller Fall or Fall City? Fall City. You see him on. Yep. I have one that's stamped Jennings Champion. That was made by Kelly, but I think that was like an offshoot line that has bevels. Uh, Lippincott. You know the ones that I, now some of the ones I've never seen. I don't think with my actual eyes. So like Niagara. With bevels, I don't think I've seen that. Red Rover, I have that hatchet, but it's more of an advertising hatchet that has bevels. So to me, that doesn't count. You know, I haven't seen bevels, to my knowledge. I'm just kind of off the cuff here. I haven't seen bevels on uh, uh, Red Warriors either. Correct. So you, I, I don't think I've seen them on a Red Warrior. And then I was thinking about Vulcan. I don't know if I've seen bevels on a Vulcan either. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I can't recall that one either. Interesting. All right, so, you know, if Bevels, if Bevels were it and they were the, you know, the, I, you know, just what were they then? Were they more of a gimmick? Were they marketing? You know, I guess it sort of does make sense then if your Flint Edge is your basic go-to standardized line then you're going to save those bevels for the higher end line and try and make a little bit more money. Obviously that the die that would have been used to be able to stamp those and, and cast that ax would have cost more. So you had more into it. It maybe just didn't make sense somehow, but again, that's, well, that's I, can, stuff I think about, I can tell you a hundred percent of the time, if there are two axes in a junk store and one has bevels and one doesn't, I'm buying the one with bevels if everything else is equal. Just they look way cooler. I mean cooler. And, yeah. that I mean like 
as simple as that sounds, that's my justification. They just you know, look cooler. You're not buying them both. <laughs> yes, I'm buying them both, but you know what I mean? If I had, if I had to choose one, Roy, you can only have one. Which one do you want? Why would, you, why would you ever put yourself under that pressure? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Jeez. <clears throat> and, and, you know, maybe maybe it was just as simple as that. But to your point, Miller, if if Bevels were the, the, it, the it thing and the in thing, why not put them on more lines because they are more aesthetically pleasing if not for anything else. Yeah. So it was just something that I thought about, you know, as my mind is just wandering out through the vastness of X space, trying to figure shit out. You know, the other thing I thought about too, and this is probably dumb, but we talk a lot about the history of axes and then the advertising and the marketing. Yeah. Paper labels. We talk about the Black Raven and how majestic it is and intricate. Everybody loves that stamp, right? It's got a lot going on. There's curly cues and you got this big fat bird and all this shit. Mm, you curly got, cues. You got the Vulcan. You got the guy with the big hammer on the anvil and all that shit, right? Why were there no women on Axis? Ooh. Why not put a well endowed, good looking. <laughs> Good looking female on one of those axes and be like, this is, this is, I don't know what you would call it. I have a few names in mind, but shoot, go. Was that just a different time then? So like we're, so if you're talking about like advertising and marketing, one of the things that you always hear is, Hey, sex sells, right? I mean, you see it every day. You see it on TV, the commercials, blah, blah, blah. You see it on eBay. You see it on eBay, right? So but back you then. Back then, they, for lack of better terms, they had more respect for women than we do now. And that's sort of where I was thinking and where I was going with it is that obviously it was a different time. But I can't believe somebody didn't think about, listen, you got all these guys that are out in a lumber camp, right? And they're out there for however long, months at a time. And they're, you know, whenever they get the chance, what are they doing? They're going to town and they're drinking and they're, you know, trying to talk to females. Why would you not... Put a paper label on an axe that had a female on it and give it some sort of female name and be like, you know, this is the, I don't know what you would call it, like whatever, whatever that would be. Again, stupid stuff that my mind thinks about whenever it comes to axes and advertising and marketing. I, I just think it probably was not, it was probably more frowned on then. It was uh, not acceptable. And that's why you see more of the, the Vulcan, the Chip Slinger, the Copper King, the Knot Clipper. Uh, how, how about the Kathy? Else. How about the Kathy Clipper? <laughs> I, I just can't believe that somebody didn't do it at some point. But again, different times, different eras, different ways of thinking. Yeah, I'm sure somebody thought of it, but I don't. I, I would assume that nobody had the balls to do it because. I don't know. That was a big deal back then. Just not. It was more. It was popular to be, be conservative. Yeah, but you still had that era though, where like the the old. What do I want to say? Like you know that the truly like fashionable, like the pinup 
girls in the pinup pictures, right? With the girls in like the bikinis and what they look like back then that today a lot of people collect that stuff because it's almost like a work of art when you look at it and, and it's very tasteful. It's not right. tactful. It's, it's not like, you know, the dude on eBay or whatever. It actually had a little bit of romanticism to it where very similar to the axe labels and the in the stamps and the etchings that were used, right? Like, I don't know. I just thought, I was like, man, if you wanted to sell an axe to a bunch of dudes in a logging camp that are out there for months at a time, like, would they not buy, like, uh, Kathy Clipper? Or, <laughs> well, they, they, they might. you got to name this episode Kathy Clipper. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe, too, like, the – the bosses or whatever were like, man, we got to keep these guys focused on brand. <laughs> oh, my God. So less is, less is more than, like, if I want them looking at something, I want them looking at a Black Raven, not a, yeah. not, not, a, honey, not a honey slinger or something like that. Stay, Ooh, a honey slinger sounds good. Stay concentrated on the wood. Not yeah, that. exactly. Well, that was the problem. <laughs> so when you thought that... Like you you don't even see an axe with a female name at all. Like no. When's the last axe that you ever saw with a female name? Like, even roughly associated with it. I mean, you have Kelly, which technically you could say would be a female name, but... Yeah. But you don't have, like, hey, this is the, the Barbara. <laughs> no, they're all, they're all very... Like, we talked about this early on. They're all very uh, patriotic and very... Uh, there's no male name axes either. There are no male? Yeah, there is. Jim Dandy, the J.P. Kelly, oh. the uh, Plum itself. There's more manly names. Like, you don't really have a... Uh, but it's well, not the, like... The Jim Dandy, I guess, would be a man's name. Um, specific. But, oh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, it's Buster Brown. The Robin Hood. Or anything like that. We even like those ones. So that's a good example. So those axes, mostly hatchets. If you're talking about Buster Brown and stuff like that, like those are all geared towards advertising for non-axe related items. You never never see. Back, back the fuck up. Back up. Check it out. I got the plum book out. There's the Dixie leader and it's got a woman on it. Does it? Okay. It does. She looks like fucking uh, Mary Poppins. The Dixie, <laughs> there's the Dixie Leader and the Dixie Pride. She's got a one of them. She's got an umbrella, and the other one, she's just standing in this big bell dress. Why don't you show us so I don't have to go find my book? All right, well, we shit. got one. We got one. I could not think of one whenever I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen one. But in terms of sex cells, this is the furthest thing from it. <laughs> well, there you have it, boys and girls, on the land of the legitimate podcast. We are wrong and right all at the same time. That's how awesome we are. I guess they did have the uh, the climax. Act. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that one. They <laughs> did have that one. Yeah. They had the Brotherhood axe. Aviator, Scout Axe. They had the Rough and Ready, Pioneer, and a bunch of <laughs> bunch of different Indian names um, that were. Yeah. Oh, they had, they had the Copper Queen. 
They have the Copper Queen. Yeah, with the picture of a, what appears to be... Oh, that was used in Canada. No wonder I wasn't familiar with that. Canada. Yeah, Copper Queen, the Payday Axe, the Big so, Chief. Yep. Oh, I'm Can looking at the Copper Queen now. Yeah. Kelly Axes had a plant in Canada? No, that's where that label was used. That was from um, Man. That was from Man. But I'm asking uh, specifically did, about Kelly. Did they have a... Because I just saw an axe that said... Well, True Temper bought out well in... What was that? Well, on Vale in 1955 or 56 or whatever that was. So, I mean, they they did. And I think they had another plant up there, too. Um, my mind is all over trying to find a female on an axe now. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for, too. So oh, that's hilarious. The queen, queen of the forest. If you have an axe with a female on it, Miller wants it. They had the beaver tooth that has a picture of a beaver on it, and it says he's uh, gnawing on a piece of wood, and it says it's a cutie. <laughs> oh, God. So that's interesting. Um, but, yeah, that was just something I was thinking about. I was, like, you know, advertising. And I think it's just obviously to the different eras and to Chris's point about was that really – I don't want, I don't know if allowed is the word, maybe tolerated, maybe frowned upon, um, yeah, you know, things like that. I don't know if it has a lot to do with, I don't know, because it's sort of weird, because, I mean, I don't know. You talk about women and the respect for them, and, I mean, we're talking about the, the golden age, like, when did uh, women actually get the right to vote? When was that, 1918, 1917? Something like that. So if you had the golden age, it really started in 1850. But I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about. So here's something interesting. I'm just thumbing through the uh, the man book. And they have the Red Warrior Axe also. Well, it started with them. That was a man line originally. That then got swallowed by American Axe and Tool, which then got swallowed by Kelly. Who was the last man standing? I'm sorry? Who was the last man standing, the last major tax manufacturer standing? Council. <laughs> I mean, technically, if you want to look at it that way, it would be council. Uh, I guess um, your last one would have, well, man would have been man because they went out of business in 2003. And everything got sold down south, but. Well, man. Yeah, but that was sort of interesting. So the other thing that I was looking at last week, if we talk a little bit about history and how times have changed and stuff like that, I'll put a picture of this out there. I don't think that you guys can see this. I tried to show this to Chris earlier with this little book here. Uh-uh. It says, the factory rules and safety regulations for the Charleston plant of the True Temper Corporation, Charleston, West Virginia. So this is basically like a, a handbook for the workers that were working in the plant. It says November 1st, 1951. It has in here different subsections. So it has factory rules with the hours of work, how you're supposed to enter and leave the plant, how to use the time clock, payment of wages, 
intoxicants. And it has a safety section with uh, machinery, electrical machinery, elevators, equipment, blah, blah, blah. But just how they word things and how they talk about stuff in here. Um, this is like here section uh, for for uh, entering and leaving the plant. All employees should be at their place of work ready to begin operations at the starting time on both morning and afternoon sessions. Employees should immediately resume their duties at the end of rest periods. Um, it says during working hours, employees should not visit other departments except with permission of the foreman of both departments. Employees should not loiter in the washrooms or toilets. The uh, man in the stall. That's right. <laughs> uh, when entering or leaving the plant in conjunction with his job, every employee must register his time of entering or leaving on the time card by means of the time clock in the clock room at the entry gate. There shall, there shall be no exceptions to this rule. Uh, it just talks about stuff like that, what they're doing in here. It talks about payment of wages. Wages will be paid by paid to all employees in biweekly periods. Payday shall be every second Friday. Wages will be paid in the form of a bank check. Paychecks will be distributed by their foreman on each payday. And then what's interesting in here is that the guard of the plant not only is guarding the plant, but if you read in here, he has a lot of like secondary responsibilities. So it says employees who are not working on payday or whose shift begins after 12 o'clock noon may receive their check at the payroll department at 10 a.m. or any time thereafter, providing the check is ready. Second shift employees should receive their checks at the payroll department before commencing work. Third shift employees should receive their checks from the guard at the time of entering the plant. So you got the guard guy who's standing there, he's got your check for your own uh, third shift, which is uh, interesting. Uh, employees shall not ask for their check before payday. In the case of emergencies, pay advances will be granted. Hmm. Uh, talks about uh, employee sales. So I found this pretty interesting. So if you want to actually buy any of the products. Um, company products and materials will be sold to employees under the following conditions. Tool sales will be limited to regular factory brand merchandise for personal or family use to be sold for cash at the maximum job or discount. No call tools, C-U-L-L, will be sold to employees. All call tools are scrapped in order to maintain the company's reputation for producing products of the highest quality. So basically the way that I read that is that if you had something that was a defect, you're not going to get it on discount or they're not going to give it to you because they don't want to get it out and, and then somebody seeing it and being like, this Kelly product is crap. Right, right, right. Um, let's see here. All purchases of factory brand merchandise must be made at the store's department. Tools must not be taken from other departments to the store department for purchase. Store department personnel will keep in stock or secure such tools as desired. Factory brand merchandise will be sold on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 12 to 12.30 p.m. to day shift employees. Night shift employees should confine their purchases of tools to Wednesday afternoon from 2.30 to 3. Night shift employees desiring to purchase factory brand items at this time should advise the watchman or the guard at the gate who will permit them to enter early. So, again, man, the guard, like, I was just thinking that the guard would be standing there and like, hey, Joe, what's happening? What's going on? Like the guard has all kind of secondary responsibilities, but it's just a it's a good read. It goes uh, and gives you a little insight to what was going on in the factories and the basic rules, regulations, you know, a little bit of the conditions. The other thing, and I think I was telling Chris this before we aired, 
something, again, this is how dumb I am. I never even thought about those guys being union. Never even crossed my mind. But it talks in here about the union and what how they um, interact with them and if you need yeah, to yeah. see the union foreman. I never even thought about those guys being union, which makes sense. And so, again, then my mind starts wandering. If we're talking about the history, like what kind of impact did that have on the axe industry, especially through the different eras of time? Uh, how did that relate to obvious costs, you know, insurance, different things like that? Wonder if they ever had to strike. We can find any history of that, blah, blah, blah. But again, just a little insight to what was going on at the actual factories themselves. Very cool. Very interesting. So good read. And that's, again, the kind of dumb stuff that I wonder about all the time. (laughs) Mike, I don't think anyone reads as much acts, history, and literature, and just random brochure stuff as you do. So so here's something interesting. Um, I went to a huge flea market in Friendship, Indiana over the weekend. I posted a couple of pictures and maybe a story or something. And I found an old craftsman axe. It was in really good shape. I just got the head. And it had a logo that I had not purchased before. It was kind of squared, but the ends were rounded. So it wasn't like the traditional oval. Um, it was just flat on the top and the bottom with rounded edges. And I thought I, I was writing you a text, Miller. Hey, have, and I was literally, hey, have you seen this? Can you tell me what era? And then I, I deleted the entire text and I thought, you know what? I hate it when people freaking do that to me. So I'm going to get online and I'm going to try to find out anything that I can about this. And what do I find uh, out on blade forms? <laughs> this is um, Mike Miller, operator 1975, back in 2010. Woo. 2010 says... Craftsman is dead. <laughs> yep. So coming off the plum dating conversations we're all having, I decided to dive deeper into the smaller issues we have discussed on here before. I have a few emails into varying sources and found on the interweb that deal with Sears, Craftsman, in order to try to help find us, excuse me, in order to try and help, help put this beast to bed as well, once and for all, I will keep everyone posted and let you know what I find out. So then you go on to say, so if anyone has any craftsman stamp that isn't already pictured here, please post it up. I need any and all stamps, imprints, logos, etc., so I can have representations to submit to show. We will get to the bottom of this. Nine fucking years ago, you wrote that. And it never happened? Um, well, I'm going to say you dropped the ball a little bit because it sounded like you wanted a comprehensive list and with with pictures and dates and get a good timeline down, and it just never happened. A whole bunch of people posted stuff up, and 
oh, here's one, here's one. I think mine might be the same one. I'm posting it up anyway. I got it for three bucks or whatever. Um, but from this thread, um, I found the exact stamp that I had found over the weekend. Um, so the point of all this is that um, before you, someone out there in the freaking in the world goes and asks a question, do a little bit of your own research, type it into Google, and there's a very good chance that you're going to get the answer before you ask someone else. Just take the initiative and go out and try to find it. I think, though, one of the reasons, if I remember right, that that died is because it's already out there. Isn't there a web? There's a website out there that it's not a craftsman site, but it has the history of craftsmen and all the logos with the timelines on there and, and who made what. Well, if if you have that, I couldn't find it because I, I wanted it. Uh, I, I know that roughly there are, I mean, just for me, I know that there are a couple of dates and stamps that, I mean, I know where they kind of coincide, um, but a totality of them all. I could not find it. I'd love to find it. So if anyone out there listening knows where it is, or if you know where it is, Miller, just send me a an Instagram message and say, hey, here it is. Thanks. So they have, it says the manufacturer codes 1920s to mid-1940s, and it has, depending on the code that you find on the particular item, so whether it's a thing of pliers, a wrench, angle nose pliers, adjustable wrench, vanadium pin puller, um, electrician's pliers. They have all the codes listed on there. So like AM, BC, BE, CF, CI, blah, 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 right on down the line. It then tells you who the manufacturer is. So like way back in the day, you had JP Danielson, you had Billings, you had SK Tools, you had the New Britain Machine Company, Hinsdale. Those are all listed, and then it gives you the, the date range for there. Um, I could have swore that Man Edge was listed on here, and that's why that whole thing died, because basically we found it. I'll look into that. I, I know at one point <laughs> I, I had that, because that's why they didn't – it was already comprised. It was already out there, and that's why that didn't go anywhere. And I guess I just didn't post that update to that post on Blade Forms. Shame on you. I know. Seriously. I mean, a lot of people are posting up, um, you know, the, for example, here's access from a 1964 Craftsman hand tool catalog. A lot of, a lot of pictures, um, kind of go back and forth between personal pictures and then old advertising stuff, but there's never a, a link to, oh, we found it, or there's never Mike Miller coming to the rescue and say, hey, here's the exhaustive list. I put it together myself because I'm a badass motherfucker. Just never happened. Well, I guess I got a project on my hands now. Thank God. Add it to the uh, add it to the list. I could have Speaking swore of, it was it was out there though. I could have swore that we had that. All right, I'll find it. I'll get it. I would love. I mean, I just think that's good information. Just there's so many different stamps that craftsmen craftsmen used over the years. Um, 
I'd love to find an exhaustive list just to say, oh, I've got the sing song that's 1920 or I got the double oval that's from 1940 or 50 or whatever the hell it is. Um, I don't even like, what do you, what, do you know the, the stamp that I'm talking about, Miller, where it's, it looks like a square, but the ends are ovaled. Yeah, it has, um, it looks yeah, like it's, it's from like the fifties or so. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. I, I know that, that that's going to bother me now that you've just ruined my whole entire day. I had a huge list of shit that I was going to get done after this podcast and now it just all went to hell. Where are you going to go to like truck stops and solicit yourself or whatever? Well, I mean, somebody's got to make money. Now, <laughs> did that C that they have different logos on here? So did the C in Craftsman, did it go all the way under the whole entire word or was it just a C? No, you're, this is just says Craftsman straight across and it's, it looks just like, um, it looks like, uh, like if it was a square, but it has rounded edges on it. But there's a couple different versions of that. So in the actual word craftsman, the C. No, it's just all the C caps. goes like the bottom of the C then goes underneath the. No, 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 no. No, okay, so no. just a big C. Okay. So just standard no. all caps craftsman, whatever. Okay. I'll oh, so here, so here's another little interesting thing, and I wanted to bring it up. I totally forgot about it whenever we were talking about bevels. Um, so Brent, he was on my ass, freebie, um, because I posted a picture up um, of all the pieces that I found from that flea market, and he sends me a text, and he had he had one of them circle. He's like, I think that's a plum autograph because it had. There are differences between bevels and phantom bevels, um, and. So there are like three different types of bevels and the ones that he was talking about on that picture, they're, they're really deep and they're scalloped, but mainly on the top and the bottom, they didn't come all the way up to a point like the Kelly perfect. And he was like, that's really reminiscent of the Kelly or, or the plum autograph go out and, and it was painted black. He's like, go out and put it on your wire wheel. It'll just take 10 seconds. And I was like, ah, it's fucking 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, just do it. Just do it. So. I went out and I took it to my wire wheel. Oh, and it also had um, the uh, the the horseshoe stamped right in the cheeks of it. So, which is also um, pretty indicative of a plum. So, I take it out to my wire wheel. I wire wheel it off. I do the backside first. Blows off all this paint. It can tell that it's really fresh paint. I flip it over to the face, and I start blowing off the paint and then what do I see underneath the fucking axe had been cracked and they filled it in with brazing material and that's why they painted it they freaking hid it from me so now I've got a freaking just a piece of junk axe that I paid money for um so I know you should never buy an anvil that's painted uh for these reasons maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention to the freaking head that was painted because they were clearly being deceptive, deceptive fucks. Now I got a piece of junk. And, and for all of that work, it was not an autograph. It was just an unmarked head. So usually the autographs have like the, the little mini bevels, like just the little guys, not like yeah. the perfects that have the big sweeping, you know, all the way yeah. through the cheek. 
Yeah, so that's usually indicative of one of the autographs. You don't see that in a lot of other axes. I think there's one other one that had the little mini bevels like that. I can't remember what that is though. But that's yeah. I mean it's that's a good story, man. You got to watch with uh, what you're doing and and uh, well, buyer beware, I guess. Yeah, and you know, over the years I've inadvertently bought a lot of junk. Um, and we, you know, we talked about it the other day, the other, one of the other episodes, that Kelly perfect Jersey that I got that with the busted up pole and it was welded, but you know, like you're out, uh, at a flea market, you're at a junk store or whatever, and you get excited and you pick it up and you don't, that most axes that are for sale at these places, they're not, um, they're not cracked or welded or whatever most of the time they're in decent shape now they might be ground all to hell but if you see a normal axe um nine times out of ten it's going to be in a good usable condition um but it just pays to take 10 more seconds and really look it over to see if the pole's cracked if it's you know cracked in the eye or whatever um i just uh, i got burned on it and I have I've, I've purchased other heads that have been painted red, and you automatically go to oh it's probably a Kelly Wood Slasher, and then only to blow off all that paint and it says HK on the back or it says China, so I've been burned there too. You gotta watch a lot of the old timers love painting the heads. You find that's what I normally find at the flea markets. Like they think that's the ultimate way to be able to protect them and keep them from rusting and stuff like that. Red, I don't know if it's just my area, but that seems to be the predominant paint. Is uh, yeah, maybe it stands out so that they can find it if needed. Blah blah blah. But it can hide a lot of different stuff, man. You'll find, you know, to to counter your point, sometimes if they slap that paint on there nice and thick, you can yeah. almost take one of those stamps, like a flint edge or something like that, and it just totally covers that, and then you can't find it until you, you know get home and wire wheel that thing off. So you, you definitely, you got to watch, you got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, I've totally scored a, uh, a, uh, a bluegrass boys ax at my local junk store painted red. And anytime it's, it, I shouldn't say anytime, the majority of times where I find a head that's painted red, someone will put a sticker on there and say fire ax. <laughs> Just because it's red, they think it's for a freaking fireman. They're just idiots. But the paint was so thick, you could just barely, barely make out that uh, bluegrass stamp. And on those boys' axes, I mean, it's it's pretty small. It's pretty faint right there up by the pole on the backside. Um, and my wife actually found that, and she's like, you're never going to believe this. Check this out. And I just about shit myself right there in the, right there in the junk store. Bam. Pretty freaking awesome. Right, Killer? That's right. <laughs> Any stories I, like that, Miller, or Killer? I can just imagine Roy's reaction in the I story. Hear, here we fucking go. <laughs> which, which, one, which, yeah, but which one would be better? Would the reaction of him, like, you know, hey, I can see that there's a bluegrass stamp underneath this, you know, six inches of paint, or... If he finds out that like he almost bought it and it was like a China knockoff, like, <laughs> which one do you think would be the better reaction that would have happened? Especially if he found it in the store, and uh, you think he'd just lose his shit and burn the place down? 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All, All right. right. So, so, so hang on. I got. I got to say something real quick. Do um, it. This acquisition that I just got. I probably can't see that. Can you all see that? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. For those guys out there that can't see this, this is a American Fork and Hoe version of a Black Raven, and on the back side it is stamped 2-2, True Temper Kelly Works. I just got this, and I'm going to do something that I probably wouldn't do normally, but I'm actually going to do a full restoration. I'm going to rehang this. And I'm going to sell this on Vintage Axe Works. Um, it's a pretty awesome piece. The etch is beautiful. You can read every word on there. The bird is clean. Um, these things don't come up very often. And I know I'm doing a plug for Vintage Axe Works, but whatever. Um, so if you guys are listening, stay tuned to the Instagram feed because this will be getting restored and will be available for purchase. These things just don't come up that often. Here's your chance to get a really cool cruiser. Black Raven. Watch this, Keller. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. For, so for you guys out there that can't see this, what we have here is a American Fork and Hoe version of a Black Raven on its original stick stamped 2-2 on the other side. And so what I'm going to do, I don't normally do here at Double Bed Axe Company. I'm going to leave this on its original stick, and then I'm going to put this up for sale. So you, you can serious? have a piece for Double Bed Axe Company. Yeah, I've been trying to sell this. Oh, and by the way, whatever price this is going to be will be lower than whatever is on Vintage Axe Works. Thank you. You motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Are you, Those, kidding? Are you, are you seriously trying to sell that or not? I uh, put it out there. No one was at my price point, so I'm just going to hold on to it. That's fine. But to your point, those are rare. You don't see cruisers in that Black Raven, and especially in, in good, decent shape. I've seen a few of them where those ones seem to get all ground to hell, even more than your three-and-a-halves or your four-pounders for whatever reason. Uh, probably they just got beat, and they're not that big. Who knows what guys were using them for. Um but you don't find those in good condition. That one that you got looks pretty delicious. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I'm happy with it. Um, I mean, just the entry level to get into these things is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So um, it's really cool. I never thought that I'd sell a cruiser, but I, and I'll never sell the cruiser that uh, that Killer he and I did a deal on just because I love the story. Um I mean, the story to me is more valuable than the piece itself. I mean, just like the pieces that uh, I got from Operator 1975, those will stay with me until I die because it's the story that matters, not the piece. I figure mine's probably worth, I don't know, let's say a leather roll to hold axes. <laughs> like cruiser? Yeah. Like straight trade? Yeah. You already, oh, turned, me, you already turned me down once. No, you turned yeah. me down. I asked no, you that. You, no, you never responded. No, no. Mm-mm. I always respond whenever it comes to buying or selling or trades. You said thanks, but no thanks. 
You're talking about Negative. Killinger leather. That's what you said. We're talking about Killinger leather here. I'll go back and pull it up. It's in a conversation. You never respond. You posted it up. You gave a price. And I said, how about a tool roll? And you never responded. That's because I had asked you that earlier and you said no. So I figured you were just messing with me. All right, let's, let's start it over. So do you want to do, you want to do a straight trade for that Black Raven cruiser for a tool roll? No. Okay. <laughs> Z just fucking reeled you in, killer. <laughs> All right. Back to the, back to the getting burned. Yeah. I once bought an entire collection from a guy. We're all painted. I got them home. And when I say entire collection, I mean probably 10 axes. And I probably spent less than 100 bucks on all of them, right? Okay. I get them home. I clean them all up. All China. All of them China? Every one of them. Like, I expected one or two to be China. Like, I had a feeling. And it was one of those deals where it, it was all for one money. Yeah. So, I expected, like, one or two of them to be China. The rest of all of them. The whole lot. So that just goes back to uh, gotta be careful. God, that sucks. Yep. Jeez but Louise. It's, it's all. I look at my whole collection as a as a as a unit. So I might have got burnt on all of those, but you know I've yeah. got deals on other ones. So it's all part of the game. And if you're not willing to play it, don't play. If you can't. Oh. If you can't swallow, <laughs> can't swallow a loss like that, then you probably shouldn't play this game or play safer. You know, sometimes oh. playing safer isn't isn't it's fun. I mean, half of the fun is like discovering what you just bought. All right, so I got a real quick story too, where I I played it safe and I lost out. So I'm not going to tell you where I saw this. You guys might already know, and if you know where you saw it, don't fucking say anything because it might be a sleeper spot. I saw this this Black Raven Tasmanian pattern for sale, and it's on the front side. It said "Made in USA." On the back side, it said Kelly Axon Tool Company, and then it's below that. It said. I think it said made for Tasmania or Tasmanian or something. And I hesitated for a minute. I sent the person a message because it was weird because they offered free shipping. But then it said there was something in the post that said may or uh, something about Australian post. And I was thinking, is this coming from Australia or what the fuck's going on? So I just sent them a message really quickly. And I kept checking my phone all day long, like every 30 minutes, just to see if they would respond with an answer. Because this Black Raven Tasmanian pattern, it was only $212 with free shipping. And I had never seen one before. And I hesitated, and I kept clicking, 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 and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Mike Miller bought it. Probably did, motherfucker head. <clears throat> Not me. No, I mean, I do not have a Tasmanian raven. I haven't actually seen that many. I've seen a few, but not, not that many. That's called a sleeper. And Roy was educated on how you buy now, ask questions later. Yeah, I know. But 
So there were a couple of things about it that I was unfamiliar with. Um, I'd, I've never seen a Tasmanian. I've never seen a Black Raven that was stamped Made in USA on it. And I'd never seen um, on the backside specifically that it said Tasmania or Tasmanian something on there. So it was definitely bigger than <clears throat> Connecticut. So it had I, it had a, several elements that I just was not comfortable with because I've never seen one. I've never touched one. Uh, and I just wasn't familiar with it. So I was trying to be conservative. I sent them a message and it just vanished right in front of my eyes. That happens sometimes. For $212, it seemed like a pretty good deal. Yowzers. And, you know, I kept, for whatever fucking reason, in the back of my mind, I, I was thinking about the the fake raven that you got, Miller, and I was like, I don't want to get something that I just wasted $212 on for something that's a fake. I know, like, it was just, that was in the back of my mind. I know it's silly, but uh, it's just experience or lack of, so I'll know better next time. I really feel like the raven that Miller has that's fake is somebody retouched it. I think somebody went in there with a Dremel and tried to fix it. That's what I think also. I don't I don't think it's a fake as, you know, compared to the other one. They did their best with a Dremel and a Sharpie. Yeah, they couldn't. I think they were trying to bring the stamp out and just totally destroyed it. Maybe I'll have to look at seeing if I can uh, somehow restore that a little bit and then give it the old golden bronze <laughs> look. Just throw it outside for a year. Forget about it. Forget about it, and then come back to it, and then all of that. Good idea. All of that shit will just kind of fill out inside of the stamp. <laughs> I think I should uh, get that Sharpie out of there. I should probably take the Sharpie off, and then that would uh, that'll help help, help, that'll accel- help. Yeah, accelerate that aging process. We'll put a little Millerina on it instead of a patina. We'll put a Millerina on it. <laughs> take, and when it's outside, you know, in about six months, go out there with a log chain and just smack the shit out of it like two or three times, and then forget about it again and just oh, let it sit. Oh. Mushroom the mushroom the pole freaking deform the eye and then it'll really it'll be accurate. <laughs> I, I think you guys are onto something. I'll, I got, I'll put it on top of a bucket and I'll let it sit out there. And then I have a tree right there that I'm thinking of. I'll just toss it against that tree a few times. Yeah. Put it back on top of the bucket. Maybe flip it over every once. You know, it's almost like you're slow cooking a hamburger out there <laughs> for a year. Go out there and flip it over every once in a while. Hey, it would be a good experiment. I mean, we'll see. Now, the, the dangerous part of that is that anybody listening to this is like, oh, man, I got this beat-up black raven. I'm going to try and uh, make it worthwhile. But we'll see. Yeah, it's it's one of the things with the axe game, man. You've got to be careful because between paint jobs, between trying to figure out what something is or is not with, with pictures, and the pictures might not be the best, you're talking to somebody, do they actually know what they have or they do they know that it's not right and they're trying to swindle you versus do I know this person? There's a lot of different factors that go into that. And, you, and you've got to be careful now, man, because people are out there and they know that the yeah. taxes are hot and they're like, man, I'm going to be making some money. Well, and that was kind of the other thing at for that particular that particular Raven at the two hundred and twelve dollar price point. I was thinking, 
this guy, they clearly did not know what they had. Um, it just, that price seemed really, really low. Um, so that was another reason of hesitation, which was silly on my part. I it was fucking dumb. I should have just freaking bought it. You know, and, it's just like gambling. Never bet more money than you're willing to lose. So, you know, the axe game is no different. Well, I tell you what. If I hadn't bought this cruiser and spent an ass load of money on it the day before, I, I, I know that I would have popped on that Tasmanian without even hesitation. But it was just a lot of cash to tie up. That's what it really came down to. All right, boys. I got to go. Yeah. All right, guys. Well... Another great episode in the books. We had, we talked a little bit about vices. We talked about some advertising with the Copper Queen, the Kathy Clipper, and the Honey Hole. We talked a little bit about the Craftsman line history, and I was told that I'm a failure because I don't know anything. We talked about some other history questions with, uh, with the True Temper plant and everything. And then finally, Roy's Cruiser that I'm going to undercut him on whenever I sell mine. You son of so, a bitch! Good episode, boys. You guys have a good rest of the day. Thanks to everybody that has been listening. We appreciate it. We are growing slowly but surely. Please make sure that you guys leave some comments and feedback on whatever platform that you're on that helps us out. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. And uh, axe on. Yo. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>